Hi, I'm Christopher Robinson. Welcome to the 21 Pilots Podcast. All right, welcome into episode five. This is a special episode. My guest today is Chris Solly, the original drummer and a founding member of the band. After the interview's over, you're going to want to stick around because I have a special announcement. Before we get to him, let me handle the usual stuff. In 21 Pilots news, there's not much going on. However, a track just dropped the other day from an artist named Lights. It's a song called Savage, and it features our very own Joshua Dunn on drums. So hit up YouTube or any other music service that you use and give it a listen. Like I said, there's not much outside of that going on with the band. If you're a new listener to the podcast, I'd like to say welcome. With this show, I've set out to tell the story of 21 Pilots through conversation with the people involved with the band and people who are affected by the band. So far, it's been a fun ride, and it's only going to get better. So thanks for joining me, and let me know what you think. As always, the show is hosted on SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com slash 21pilotspodcast. You can contact me on Facebook or Twitter at 21pilotspodcast. You can send email to 21pilotspodcast at gmail.com. And lastly, but not leastly, there is a companion blog to the show at 21pilotspodcast.wordpress.com. Last episode, I highlighted a comment I received from a listener, and I'd like to continue doing that. First, I'd like to give a shout-out to 21 Pilot Updates on Twitter. They go by the Twitter handle, at uh, T-O-P Updating. And the reason for this, other than running an awesome Twitter page, is they put out a tweet that highlighted my blog post that announced that the Chris Sully episode would release this Monday. In doing so, they greatly raised the awareness of the show. They've got over 150,000 followers, and... The amount of retweets, likes, and comments on that tweet alone is more than I've gotten on anything that I've ever done. I didn't even ask them to do it. They did it on their own because they enjoy listening to the podcast. And I'm sure a lot of people listening right now probably learned of this show from that tweet. So I want to give a special thank you to them. I said the show is hosted on SoundCloud, but it is also available on iTunes. And I always ask that you rate and comment on the show because it's supposed to make it stand out from all the other podcasts that are out there. And in the long run, hopefully gets more guests to come on the show. So I would like to read two of the comments that I have received. This first one is from a listener named Christy Webler. She says, my favorite thing about 21 Pilots is learning about 21 Pilots. Thanks for all of your hard work. I kept periodically searching for a podcast about them, and I was so excited when yours popped up. It was a dream come true. Thanks, Christy. I really appreciate having you as a listener, and I hope you enjoy this episode and all the ones that are to come. This next one is from somebody that I have no idea how you even pronounce their name. It's D-G-U-D-F. Basically, it looks like they just punched a bunch of keys on the keyboard so they could put their comment in, but their comment, uh, I love it. It says, I love this podcast. Dude, your voice is pretty satisfying. You should join the Click Amino. I don't know what that is, but I appreciate the comment on my voice. I really like that because if you don't like the person's voice, you're not going to want to listen to the show. It could be one of the best shows out there, but if the voice isn't good, uh, for me at least, I'm usually out. So I hope the rest of you that are listening to the show uh, like my voice. If you do, thank you. If you don't, uh, there's nothing I can do about it. So, (laughs) Moving on from iTunes, I actually post often on Reddit. And this comment that I'm going to highlight is from a listener with the username TRW931, whose actual name I know is Tyler. 
They say, a quality podcast is something this community has been missing, and I believe its success is because of that, but also because right from the beginning, you have put so much time into making sure it was high quality and worth sitting down with for a chunk of time. Keep it up and let us know how we can help. Thanks, Tyler. As I've said, comments from the listeners are the fuel to the fire, and I encourage you to keep on sending them. My guest today is Chris Solly, the original drummer and a founding member of the band. You can follow Chris on Twitter, at Solly.Chris. Let him know what you thought of this episode. This is special because outside of his Facebook post when he left, that was it. He hasn't spoken publicly about leaving the band or his time in the band to anybody, and this was his first opportunity to do that. Here it is. This is the story of the beginning of 21 Pilots, as told by one of the members who was there. Hey, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for doing this for me, man. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So what's going on, man? Not much. Um, my wife and I just got back from vacation last night and uh, busy day in the shop today trying to get caught back up. So uh, That's great. Where'd you guys go? We went to uh, a lake in Indiana called Wawasee. It's uh, the largest natural lake in Indiana. Uh, she's got some family around there, and so rented a lake house with her family for the, the week, and so... Yeah. <laughs> How's it being a dad, man? I tell you, <laughs> it's nuts. It is, isn't it? Yeah. But it's awesome. Every time that little boy, if I come in the room and he smiles at me because I just came in the room, you know, that kind of thing is never gets old. No, nah, man. It's like a club when you become a father. And it's like when I, when I had my daughter, I told my dad, I was like, I get it now. Just the idea of somebody more important than you to like the nth degree when you get married it's like that sense but yeah. kids are a whole nother level man different yeah it's a different kind of love you feel for your kids i think yeah oh completely completely man congratulations too by the way with that i know you Thanks. had your first father's day so i mean yeah it, it only gets better man every phase <laughs> with the kids at least from my point of view i was like i wish they could stay this young and facebook doesn't help because they send those reminder things out like remember this from two years ago three years ago and i'm like whoa i'm getting old <laughs> man you know yeah I guess I can just dive right in. I mean, the first thing I just wanted to ask you was, how did you become a member of the band? How did it all start? Was it Were you guys friends first, and then the band thing came up? Yeah, basically, I, I grew up in Texas. I moved to Ohio uh, to finish school in, in Columbus uh, around age 20, I believe. Um, and I kind of knew Tyler through a girl I was dating at the time. I didn't really know him well. Um, I just met him like a couple of times at like get togethers and stuff. And so I, I had always played music. I, I've been playing music for a long time. I used to travel every summer and play. And, uh, so when I moved here, I didn't really know anybody. I was working at guitar center, which we'll come back to this, but that's where I met Josh Dunn, um, was at guitar center when he worked there. So I worked at guitar center for about a little over a year. And, uh, I remember talking to Tyler and knowing that he had he you know played piano and sang and stuff at, in high school and he was just graduating high school when I moved here and so I uh, 
kind of reached out to him and said, Hey, if you ever want to do music, I'm, I'm moving into this house and setting up a recording studio. I work at guitar center and, you know, I'm trying to set up the studio and do some recordings and stuff. If you want to come over and hang out sometime and, and play, that'd be great. And it, Cause at this time, at this point, dude, I was desperate yeah. to play music. I was just, I was itching. So I, I reached out to Tyler and, uh, he had written some songs and I had heard some of his cheesy, like high school type stuff that he had done, like Taco Bell, making fun of Taco Bell. Yeah. And, <laughs> grab a lot that's circulated the internet, I'm sure now, but yeah, yeah. I heard some of that stuff and I thought, man, this guy really is actually talented. Like he's, he's got an ear for music. Um, so I, f- I figured he'd like to, to do some music. So he came over to my house, like not really knowing who I was at all. <laughs> right. Uh, he barely knew me. He came over and, and he was kind of impressed to see an, an actual studio, I guess at the time. Um, because he was it just is mind re- blowing. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, it was a tiny little, you know, recording studio I had set up with, with spare money that I had, which wasn't much back then. And, um, he was recording on his laptop, like singing into the microphone on his computer. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I like the chat room, mic type of thing. Yeah. Like so that kind, that yeah, kind of stuff. yes, that kind of thing. So if that gives you an idea <laughs> of like the difference, <laughs> the contrast when he showed up at, at my place. And so we sat down and we started playing music and, or he was showing me some of the songs and it's kind of a vulnerable time, you know, most of the stuff he had been doing, he was just in his basement playing by himself and showing songs to like his brother, maybe. And that yeah, was pretty much definitely a, an element of trust that gets developed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we kind of started playing, and you know, I would just start playing drum parts to what he was playing on piano, and and he was like, "Man, that's cool. I like that." Or you know, try this, and so we just kind of started working on that whole thing, and it was you know, I don't know how long, um, not too terribly long. That was probably in October of 2008, and it wasn't too terribly long after that that we decided we should start like a legit band. But our this is funny too, looking back, because our first thought was, well, two people don't make a band. Um, like we we have to have a third person, which seems stupid now um, because of what 21 Pilots has become as two people, but. Um, so we sought out a bass player, which is a guy named Nick Thomas. Um, Tyler went to school with, with Nick. And uh, so he said, yeah, I know Nick. He he is not like a bass player, but he knows how to play bass. So maybe we can at least have a bass player. And I bought a bass guitar. I was going to try and learn, but that never never really happened. So panned out. Yeah, never really panned out. Uh, so Nick kind of picked that up and started playing and that was that it was probably january of that did you next year i'm sorry i didn't mean to, oh, i didn't mean to interrupt you but i had a question when you guys were getting together and you and you had that setup where you were like oh we need a bass player at the time did you consider that you were going to possibly use pre-recorded backing tracks i don't think that was in the the thoughts at all at that point i said it a couple times on this podcast the idea to do that to just have you guys be just the three of you to me especially at a young age like that you generally would think, okay, we got to get a guitar player. I use Ben Folds 5 as a great example because it was just the same kind of setup. And, uh, you know, that would be like a traditional way of thinking. And I thought it was it was kind of cool and, and very, uh, like, bold to, to bring the computer aspect into it, not knowing what the reaction <laughs> would be from other bands. Yeah, fast-forwarding a few, like, years or so later, we we had people say stuff like, 
at at shows, we'd have guys that were in other bands say, "You guys are pretty good for not having a guitarist." Uh, I can only imagine, man. It's such a backhanded com- compliment, I guess. But I know, I know. Anyway, um, but yeah, I know what I was saying. It was we. That was in October of two thousand eight. In two thousand nine, I decided I couldn't live with those guys I was living with anymore. It was just like not a great situation. Um, I was kind of faced with this, like, I either need to go back to Texas and live where my family lives, or I need to find a new place to live. So, and and we didn't really have a place to rehearse. Like, so who were you living with at the time? Was it, uh, just, just some old guys in the band? Um, no, not guys in the band at all. Just some, some other friends. Okay. Uh, one of which, uh, now had taken over that studio, still runs that studio in a different location and is very successful does a lot oh, cool. more like hardcore bands and stuff but so he uh we we left that and tyler and i decided to try and find a house and and with nick we ended up needing a fourth roommate to make rent every month so we we talked to nick's brother <laughs> into uh renting with us and that didn't last long his, his brother didn't want to st- stick around for too long um and we ended up finding some other friends to to live with but uh it was in that house that we kind of set up a recording studio of our own and had a rehearsal space in the basement. Um, and that's where the first album was written and recorded. Okay. The first album is of huge, uh, interest to me. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic album. Number one. I don't know if you guys at the time when you did it had any idea that it would be so loved, I guess, by people, but not even that. I I guess I still don't even realize that it is. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild, man. I bought the album after like Vessel had just come out and and Holding On To You was getting radio play. And I was kind of like, oh, I like this. Let me see what else they have out there. And I picked it up from like CD Baby or whatever, one of those websites. And I didn't realize that it would become something that nobody could find shortly after. You go online and it's crazy the high price that people are paying on eBay and stuff. I had no idea that it would get to that either. But when you guys were recording that, listening to self-titled and regional at best, there is a huge difference in recording quality with certain songs and certain aspects. And there's this, I I think it's a misconception, but I could be completely wrong and talking to you will will clear it up for me. Did you record the drums on that live? There's an idea out there that Tyler programmed basically everything and then you guys just got together and played it live. You're talking about on the self-titled album? Self-titled, yes. Yeah, so it was kind of a combination of those two things. So it's not really... There, there were no live drums as far as... We didn't mic up any drums. Okay. Um, with the studio that we had and the, the opportunities that we had... I mean, it, first of all, without going into a big budget studio, you you it's really difficult to mic up drums and get really good sounds. Right. So instead, we we opted for kind of a combination of me playing them and them being programmed. So some of the stuff was recorded on like in a little, a little electronic kind of thing where I would play the parts, but it's being triggered. It's triggering, um, you know, pre-recorded sounds. Okay. Yes. Um, and then quite a bit of it was actually programmed as well. Okay. So it's kind of a little bit of both, which is why like, you know, to be fairly, fairly honest with you, I'll get, things on Twitter about like, Hey, I love your drums on the first album. And I'm like, well, it's not, uh, not really me playing drums on that, but it, you know, it's, that was kind of the nature of the beast early on right? with our recording stuff was we wanted to put out the best quality sound. We weren't, we weren't really wrapped up about, 
are all, all wrapped up in it has to be me playing drums. I, I that wasn't really the the issue. The issue was let's get this music out there and try to build a fan base. Okay, cool. Now those songs, did he bring like a shell of a song and then you kind of worked on parts and were like, hey, this is a good idea to do here and things like that? Or was it more like this song's done, here, learn it, and we're just going to play it and record it? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, sometimes he, we would have, you know, he'd have like this, the, the lyrics are always Tyler. Right. And I think that's pretty clear, you know. I'm just trying to think back. I, I wouldn't even know a percentage because to be honest with you, I... I haven't even <laughs> heard a lot of those songs in, in years. Totally understandable. And so, because to me, that, that album's really old. Um, it's kind of like looking back at your high school pictures and thinking, why the heck did I wear that? <laughs> like, to me, I look back and go, like, those songs aren't even, I mean, they're good, but like, man, the recording's bad, you know, we should have done this differently, whatever. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, just like when I listen to that, I mean, I love I love all of it, man. It's really good music, dude, number one. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if I said that when we first logged on, but I just want to thank you for being part of it, man. Oh, yeah. And the effort that you put into it and just to get it out there. When I stumbled upon you guys, Holding On To You had just come out on the radio. You know, I'm married. I have a nine-to-five job. I got two kids. The job I was working wasn't that great, and I had been there eight years, so it weighed on me. I was just like, I got to get out of this job. It was a weird depression, you know? The place I was going to every day, I, for lack of a better word, yeah. sucked. I would listen to the stuff that you guys put out, and I just appreciate you being a part Thanks. of it. It's really cool, man. That's why it's so cool to talk to you. I had no idea then that I would even be doing a podcast. Sure. So, I mean, just the idea that I'm talking to the, the guy that was behind <laughs> the drum kit. It's pretty cool, Thanks. man. But yeah, that was definitely a question that I've always had regarding self-titled because when I listen to that in regional at best, the drums sound more full. And I guess that would be if you're playing uh, like a, what do they even call it? It's like, a, like, I guess like a MIDI device. Is that kind of what it was? You're using like a drum kit MIDI device? Yeah, that, that was exactly what it was. This was actually a drum cat, which is was popular in the 80s. <laughs> it's a pretty old piece of technology. But um, I, and I honestly don't remember. I, I think maybe we did a few songs where I actually played on the drum cat and a few songs where the, the rest of them, I guess were programmed by Tyler. Um, it seems like somebody knew what they were it, doing. Definitely. When you hear yeah, it. Well, it's interesting because regional at best was done the same way that that album was recorded the exact same way. However, it's a year removed from that first album experience. So it's, it's one of those things and we can get into this more when we talk about like me actually leaving the band and all that. But when, when I was about to leave the band was when regional at best was about to come out. Um, and so it was the same, it was basically the same process, but we had pretty much decided let's not even try and play anything. We're just, everything's going to be programmed. And that way that, okay, that would, lend yeah, that made it a lot easier to get music in front of people. We, we always knew that if the music was going to get big and people were going to buy it on a large scale, that eventually a label would come in and we'd be recording in a really nice studio and playing real drums and things like that. So Right. Okay, cool. So you guys did self-titled. How long did it take to put that together, if you can remember? From, I guess, like starting to record to, I guess, I don't know if you guys mastered it yourselves or if you sent it out to someplace to do a mastering job on yeah. it. Yeah. I've got to be honest, I don't remember a ton of those details. But I know that, so we started playing music in 2008. 2009 is when... We decided to get a house. It was about June of 2009 if that finally happened. And so it was January of 2010, I think, when we actually released uh, the self-titled album. 
Okay. So we were starting to play. We were playing music and kind of figuring things out. We were trying to write and record uh, from the time we moved into the house to till that following January. So it was maybe a, maybe a six to eight month process. Everything you guys recorded, did it make that record, or is there still stuff sitting somewhere oh. that I'm sure the <laughs> internet would go crazy? Over? There's always. I, I hate to say this. There's always stuff sitting somewhere that's recorded that never made it out. And then there's there's always you know there's stuff Tyler's shown me that I thought was pure genius that he deleted, <laughs> like there's which makes me sick to my stomach to say it. And then there's some things that I heard like a full a fully flushed out song, and then that song never got released. But then like in this past album, there is a piece of one of those songs in there, like a, a lyric bit or something like that. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, so totally. Maybe something that got recycled because Tyler didn't think maybe that it felt right on its own, but as a piece to another song made more sense. And I think that's probably true for a lot of artists. I don't write songs. Okay. That's never been my forte at all. They all come out sounding the same, so I just <laughs> gave up on that. But yeah, that's kind of how that process was was Tyler would write and record it and then whatever we all decided were like the good songs, the songs that we thought people would enjoy. Those are the songs that made that first album. Oh, cool, man. Now, we all know the story of the name that's out there, but was there ever a point where you guys got together and were like, oh, you know, let's write down a list of cool names for us all to throw out there as an idea? Yeah, I feel like the hunt for a name was probably no shorter than a couple months (laughs) or or longer. I mean, (laughs) it it was... Yeah, man, it takes... It's like naming your kid. Yeah, so we we were... I don't know if Tyler's ever talked about this, I've seen some interviews where he talks about the name, but we we were on a couple of things. We were almost Bicycle Thief, hmm. which I think that there's a band called Bicycle Thief. So that may have been the first thing we didn't do. We were almost Chillcoat. Actually, the attorney that I use for my business now is Chillcoat Law. And they <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> Tyler knew of his name and thought it was cool. And so we were kind of back and forth on that. And we were to the point we were looking at newspaper, going through the newspaper and trying to find random combinations of words that we thought were interesting or different. And we had even gone as far as to get on Ticketmaster. And you know, when you go to buy a ticket, it makes you, it makes sure that you're not a computer. So it makes you enter one of those weird codes. Yeah. At the time, it would just put random words together. Oh, yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. So <laughs> it was a long time ago. I don't think they did. Now it's all nonsense codes. Oh, it's so they, it's like pick all the storefronts and it's like, dude, like I can't tell if I'm looking at an apartment building yeah. or a business. It drives me insane. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it was random words that were just put together that didn't make any sense. And so we were kind of going through those and trying to combine them. But ultimately it was at, with every band name that came up, we would run it through a process at the time. MySpace was still a thing. Um, we would pull up MySpace and find out if there's any bands. We would search on Google and find out if there's anything related to it that was maybe negative or whatever, because what you want with a business or a band name is you want the name to sit on its own. So if someone goes and searches for it, they find you, not any one other thing. Um, And a lot of bands have problems with that. You know, if they give a name that's kind of generic, you know, Box of Rocks, great, that's a cool band name, but if I look up Box of Rocks, I'm going to find a million other things. Yeah. Um, And so that's kind of... It's a smart idea that you guys did. So we were just trying to flush all that stuff out. Um, you know, and I, you know how the name 21 pilots came about. I yeah. Assume. Yeah. That's out there big time. 
the Arthur Miller play yeah. and, and all that. I mean, it's a great name. The, the only thing for me doing the podcast that I find to be somewhat of a challenge is the 2-1 or the spelling it out aspect when you do like a yeah, search. It was always spell it out. Spell it, it was out. always spell it out. But with like, like anything, you know, if it, you put in the numbers, you know, once the, obviously they're massive now, but once the band was big enough, it didn't really matter which one right. you, you're going to get the same thing. Totally. So when you guys did self-titled, I assume you guys were playing live to kind of foster somewhat of a fan base and anticipation for the release of this album? Yeah, everything we did was very intentional. Okay. And what I mean by that is we knew we needed to play shows and we knew we had a lot of like friends between like people Tyler went to school with and you know people I knew, friends of friends and family friends and all that kind of stuff. We knew that we could get some people out to a show. We knew that just playing music wasn't going to be enough <laughs> because the one of the things that Tyler and I talked about early on when we talked about starting to play shows was it's kind of conceded for any musician to get up and believe that they're good enough that people will sit there for an hour or however long and just listen to them play their songs. Right. And when you're starting out as a band, no one knows your songs. So you got to give some people a reason to come and what we knew that was going to be was the live show. The live show needed to be not just us playing music. It needed to be us performing. Um, so whatever that meant, we've done silly dances. We did stupid made up songs, like all kinds of stuff. We would even, um, forego getting money from a show and put that right into lighting just so we'd have a cool lighting show, uh, early on. Um, but ultimately it was, we need to play out. We have an opportunity to play out around Columbus, for instance. We could play out every weekend if we really wanted to, but we knew that the best thing to do was to force people to come to the show because they couldn't say, I'll just go to the one next week. Right. You know, we wanted to play like, all right, we're going to wait. We're going to play. We're gonna, not going to play again for another month and a half. And although that sucks, we're like sitting at home, like just trying, wanting to play we we're going to make people wait for it because we want to you know there needs to be some anticipation like what are they going to do next and that kind of thing it's a smart idea man yeah i assume even though you weren't playing you were probably practicing and figuring out like you know how you're going to dominate the world yeah we we really had a desire to be really tight um to play our songs enough that we knew them backwards and forwards and you know some of that was that nick wasn't really a bass player so he had to learn kind of to play bass along the same time. And right. Tyler was trying to figure out like, how much time do I have between like singing this one spot where I'm not at the piano to being back at the piano? You know, now he's an expert at that, but that took right. years of working on it, figure that kind of thing out. And yeah, every song is different. So the idea to have the programmed stuff brought into the live show, were you familiar with how to work the click track or, or any of the stuff where somebody obviously has to activate? Yeah. I don't know how that really works, and I was kind of curious. How does it so, work? So that was always a bear. <laughs> we, we've done it. We did everything back then from um, queuing things from an iPod, like literally just tracks on an iPod. I still, every now and then, will have tracks that come up on my shuffle that are click tracks for old 21 Pilot songs. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, but they, what we would do is we'd pan the, the track to the left side and then pan the click to the right side or vice versa. And then we would only send one, si one side of that stereo signal to the board. Um, so the track would come through the house and the click would just come through the other side of the channel okay. and that would go into my ears. And, and for the longest time, I was the only one on, on in-ears. 
and I would queue everything, like I said, either from an iPod. Eventually, um, we bought a laptop, or I bought a, I won a laptop at work. It was really weird, but I won this MacBook, and I ended up using that to put our tracks into. And we, Tyler and I, both learned this new software called Mainstage. At the time, it was pretty new, and we we put everything in there. I don't know. Tyler might still use Main Mainstage, but I don't think he uses it the way we used to. I think he just uses. I don't know. He may not use it at all. But we used that for the longest time, and everything. Okay. When you're doing tracks, everything, no matter what solution you use, there's tons of different solutions, something will fail eventually. <laughs> you're playing with a click, which means that if you get off the click, that's one way it can fail. So you've got to be really good at staying on the click. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. besides that, your tracks could just stop, like a computer can freeze. There's all different kinds of things that happen. We played a showcase thing in Nashville where – we showed up and we were using the iPod thing and all of a sudden like the one song was played fine the next song the click was coming out of the house and the track the backing track was in our ears it was really weird we have no idea why it ha- I mean those kinds of things happen technology is quirky and oh yeah so but yeah that was that was kind of always a battle of and it evolved so much just in the two years that I was in the band it's tough uh, because once that train gets going, like the song gets going, you're pretty much at the hands of the computer. I saw them during the Vessel Tour in Sayersville, and in the back of my head was always like this idea of like, I wonder what these guys would do if something failed or, or has something ever failed. Oh, yeah. And it was during screen. Tyler came in at the wrong time or something, and basically he had to wait for it to come around again so he could kind of catch whatever lyric, whatever verse it was supposed to be. Like he missed it. So I saw firsthand, obviously, some sort of a, a mistake, and I was like, oh, you know, okay, that's how it goes. Yeah. You just basically got to grin and bear it and just deal with well, it. Well, you know, you've, you've got humans in the mix, and humans are always going to make mistakes, and then you've got backing tracks in the mix, and you they're, they're just like a bomb waiting to go off. You just never know. And I know now they have a setup that I, I couldn't even begin to understand because I've been out of it for so long, but it's like a redundancy. So if, if one of them fails, the other one is going along with it simultaneously and kicks right in. So you would never know that something happened. Yeah. But <laughs> I think Tyler would even tell you, he doesn't even know how all that works now <laughs> because there's a crew that manages it. And it, it's it, insane, man. You know, I got on board during right when Vessel, uh, you know, came out and I know that, I mean, for you, that was deep into the band's life for guys that were there when the band started. But uh, I mean, just to see the evolution of the light show and just all the stuff that goes into it and how it's grown. It's a huge project in and of itself, the live portion, yeah. because you see people online are like, oh, maybe a new album's going to drop, you know, this fall, you know, this year. And they just got done that tour to Columbus. And in my head, I'm like, dude, there is so much more work. It's not just writing and, and recording an album. Just the live aspect is like a beast in and of itself that's going to take a ton of time to put together. Right. I don't think people realize yeah, that. Yeah, it's... It's a lot of work. I mean, and there there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts now. You know, there's there's a whole crew of people that make that show happen. It's it's and and that's what's difficult and that's what gives me respect so much respect for for bands that are just getting started. You know, you look at a band like Twenty One Pilots now. Well, Twenty One Pilots when I was in the band could not afford the type of system that they have in place now that makes the tracks almost flawless. And so we're con- it's a constant battle. And there's just those are growing pains that are common with any business. Right. You're going to have things that you run up against that you just <laughs> it's always going to be a, 
a hassle. And to tell you the truth, even up to a couple of years ago, you know, maybe the, the guys were on buses already and there's a crew and everything. Josh was still triggering the tracks from the drums and he still may trigger some stuff from the drums, but he had, I remember working on a foot switch with him that like a little case for his foot switch. Cause they had had one show that they were at where he dropped a stick and it hit the foot switch mm. and stopped the track. Whoa. And for them like that, <laughs> all right, song's over, you know, like it, it, how do you recover from that? And we laughed about it at the time, but it's also like kind of unprofessional, I guess. But oh, yeah. how do you how do you keep from that happening? And so we came up with this little acrylic thing that Josh would have to stick his foot into, and it kind of covered the foot foot switch so nothing could fall on it. But I mean, that system was hobbled together for a long time, <laughs> you know, even yeah, after I, I was out of the band. You seem to be like a very do it like a DY. DIY, right? DIY. DIY kind of guy. I mean, you got your your company. You guys put together uh, furniture, if I'm if I'm correct, right? Yeah, I I build custom furniture and yeah, a lot of that started because we've I've always made things out of necessity. Like started when I needed a desk and my dad taught me how to use tools and my brother and I and so uh, when I needed a desk and I couldn't afford to just go buy a desk in college, I thought, well, I'll just build one. I can go buy wood and put a desk together. And it man, it was crappy. But it even stayed. I even it made the move from Texas to Columbus and stayed in the house that I lived in with the guys for five years. <laughs> Did you build the shell for the uh, that wooden shell so, thing for Tyler's piano? So build would be a pretty. Um, uh, I would say it's far fetched to say I built it, but okay. what happened is we were given a piano, an upright piano, when we first moved into that house. We were given a bunch of furniture. Oh, okay. And. The upright piano was one of them. I disassembled the entire thing. I pulled all of the piano wire out of it and the giant soundboard, which is brass in color, but I think it's just some kind of steel or something. Super heavy. <laughs> um, so I pulled all of that out of there and built some new legs for it um, to put it uh, so that it would kind of. You know, those old upright pianos have very unstable little front legs that keep it from falling forward. And so we basically just tore out everything that was unnecessary, built some new legs, and made it fit Tyler's keyboard is what we did. Okay. Um, cool, man. Yeah. It's become like an iconic part of the band in a weird way. You know? Yeah. It's funny. We used to – we would use that as soon as we were able to get that piece made. We would, we would take it into tiny little venues and like sound guys hated us. Anybody who would like help us load in and out was like, oh my gosh, these guys, this giant piano thing, you know, <laughs> they'd roll their eyes. Oh, I can only imagine, man. I've seen some video of you guys. I don't know if it was before or after you left, but I guess them pushing it into the, into, I guess the, that venue, the basement, yeah. it looked like a pain in the ass. It, re <laughs> it really is. But it's part of the show, you know, it's oh. playing drums, giant pain, but you know, moving all that crap around, but it's part of, part of the show. Yeah, it's definitely one more one of the more crappy aspects of being a musician. I'm a guitar player. Every time I lug my big amps around, I, it's just annoying. And then, like, anytime I got to restring, I got a 12-string. Yeah. I didn't even think of, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to restring this thing at some point. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's one of those things that you don't think about when you get into playing. Yeah. People, and people don't know that about music. If you're, if you're, like, into music but you're not a musician, you don't realize how much pain it is to keep instruments uh, it's such a pain. You know, together and like like drums. Holy cow. You know, Josh has a drum tech now, but, you know, 
plugging in all your stuff and setting it up, you're exhausted by the time you even sit down and play that show. So, so when you're done tearing down your gear at the end of the night, you're just wiped. Yeah, it's the last thing you want to do. So then self-titled's done. It's time to start a new album, uh, which was obviously regional at best. Yeah. I guess, what's the story? Well, the beauty of the beauty of doing a band independently, you know, not having a record label involved, is that you can release songs whenever you want. And we kind of did that. Or we would, like, Tyler would write a new song, we would, we would learn the song together, and then we would play that song live. And in fact, we even did Ode to Sleep. We weren't sure what the name of the song should be. And so we actually played that song to have the song named. Does that make sense? Sort we actually of. had little jars out at our merch table. Oh, and okay. Vote on what you want the name of the song to be. Okay. Uh, so that's how that song was chosen, or the song title was chosen. That's a risky venture, man. You could have had like Bodie McBoatface, you know, like that boat that they yeah. named out and wherever. Well, we, we put the options out. So we were fine with, you know, we, we gave them three options. So basically, uh, okay. got to vote on one of three options, and Ode to Sleep is one of them. Okay. But yeah, yeah, you're right. If we had opened it up, you know, just wide open, there's no telling what we'd have gotten. But uh, in terms of how we made a transition into regional at best, um, that was coming down towards what would end up being my my ending time with the band. So we probably played. I'm trying to think how long we played that first. Before. Well, I know that that's what we're coming to. Did you have an idea during self-titled? I mean, you guys obviously had shows where I've seen the videos. It seemed, at least for me, they seemed like you had a crap load of people at those shows. Yeah. Was there a time for you where you were kind of like, I, I can't do this? I mean, Regional at Best came out, and I'm trying to figure out the release show at the high school, right? I guess that the release show was played at. And if I remember correctly... Yeah not having anything in front of me right now. It was Josh that was with them at the time for that yes. show. Okay. And that was kind of by design. So I'm trying to think. I, I, it's hard to remember the sequence of things because you never in the moment think, like, I'm going to need to remember how all this took place. No, okay, here, let's do this. The recording of Regional at Best yes. was done similar to the way it was done with self-titled. Pretty much exactly. So you played on regional at best doing the, no. okay. You didn't play re on regional at best. Okay. No. Um, so regional at best was kind of happening. I mean, it's hard to say timing wise when everything was exactly, but I can say that regional at best was in process while I was still in the band, but it was, it wasn't finished. Okay. Cause I've seen a performance of trees where you were, you did the thing at the end with Nick, uh, with the drums. And I hadn't realized that you were playing certain songs from that album. Oh, yeah. We were playing Trees. We were closing the show with Trees for a long time before I quit the band. Oh, okay. I had no idea. At some point, you felt like you would have to leave the band. You're a bit older than Tyler. Yeah. And you obviously felt like it was coming to an end at some yeah. point. Instead of talking about timelines with regional FS, why don't we just go from yeah. there? Well, I can say this. So we were in the process of Regional Best. Didn't have a title yet. It was just there were more songs coming out of Tyler that weren't on an album yet. I'll say that. That's probably the best way to say it. Okay. Um, we were playing some of those songs as well. Some of them he was writing, and we were like, that's going to be saved for the album. I remember we were going to play a show in Piqua, Ohio, I believe it was, which is who freaking knows where that is. Um and I had just dropped my car off. My car was at the shop, and they were trying to figure out what was wrong with it. So we pile in the in the vehicle, and 
um, we're headed to that show and the, the shop calls me and they're like, Hey man, you're going to need a new transmission. It's going to be six grand. And I was like, what, how is that even possible? The car's not worth six grand. So I was like, this is going to total my car. If, if it really costs six grand, they said, well, it's a specific, it's a specific type of transmission. It's a CVT. It's, it requires such and such. And I was like, okay, well, so the first thing to do, like, I'm, you know, I'm out of college, but I don't have a full-time job. You know, I'm working part-time and, um, and we're doing the music thing. And 21 Pilots this entire time is on an incline. Like, we're doing better and better. We're gaining more and more fans. We're getting, you know, more likes on Facebook, all that crap. Right. So all that stuff is doing well. But I'm, I'm getting hit in the face with, like, all right, in a few months, my student loans are going to start coming to you. Like, I graduated in December of 2009, I believe. And what'd you go for? Marketing, okay. um, which I've never used, fun fact. Besides that, I knew my student loans were coming due, tons of student loan debt, because I actually finished school. And so I knew that those, those loans were coming due, and I wouldn't be able to pay them and my rent and gas in my car, and especially not fix my vehicle. So there's some life things happening here that are just like kind of unavoidable. And then... As I remember, I we went to that show, and I remember after we got set up, I called my dad and I told him like, "Hey, I don't know what to do." My they they told me it's going to be six grand, and he said, "He said, well, bud, I hate to say this, but it might be time to get a full time job." <laughs> and you know, everyone has that dream of like, "We're going to be rock stars," you know. Oh yeah. I can't work full time. I need to. I need to be playing music. If I'm working full time, that's not going to work. So. I started weighing that and some more opportunities were coming up. We were, you know, more show opportunities and a show came up on a college campus that was going to be just like a party is all it was going to be. It was just a party scene, like drunk people everywhere. We knew it was like a party school and Tyler and I kind of had this disagreement on whether or not we should play it. And at the time, I mean, every argument I've ever had with Tyler was a blow up, like giant argument. But it's never. There's never been a friendship-ending argument, and this wasn't one of those either. It was, it was just a one of our run-of-the-mill arguments about like, dude, I don't think we should play that. It's not even worth it. People are going to be all drunk, and I felt kind of sick to my stomach about playing because I never wanted to play at a place where I didn't want my mom to be there. You know what I mean? Right. That's a noble thing, man. That's kind of what I felt like it was going to, and um, but there was that burning desire in us as a band is like we've got to play all the shows we possibly can and uh and so and a college campus is a big deal you know you get a whole college campus full of people liking your music that's that's big that's a big win oh yeah it spreads man too if they share it to their friends and then exactly they share nobody's business so it was kind of a rough thing and and this all culminated over the course of like a month or so we're getting to the point where we're gonna have to release another album the, the songs are coming together I know that I've got this car situation that's going to be super expensive and I've got my student loans coming due and we, and we, Tyler and I just had this argument about playing this show or not. And so I'm looking at it and I'm weighing all the facts and I'm like, look, it's pretty clear that I can't continue to do this. Like I could play for a few more months, but by that time we will have released an album and then I'm the one on the album or supposedly on the album. (laughs) because <laughs> Josh wasn't on regional at best either, or neither of us actually played on it, but I could go and release that album, but then I would quit and then we'd re- replace me. So I heard a pastor at a church say one time, there's no success without a successor. 
meaning that whatever you did, you can't say that it was successful if the next person in your role can't be successful because that means that you, you didn't pass the torch well. Like you, there was something wrong. So that means you weren't successful right. if the next person can't be successful. So I knew that going in. 21 Pilots was my baby. You know, we, Tyler and I started it together and it was like our thing and I wanted to see it succeed. Um, so when I quit, it was with a really heavy heart. But knowing that, like, the facts are the facts. For me to continue playing in 21 Pilots would have been a middle finger to my parents because they co-signed on my student loans. It would have been like, hey, you guys pay my student loans. I'm going to go off and play with my band. And as recently as, like, a few months ago, Tyler and I had a conversation about this exact thing. And he said, I hope you know. He said, and I think you do, but it's good to go back and think about the the timeline there. He said, Josh and I played for another solid year thinking this might not work after you quit. He said it wasn't like, and, and this no one knows this when they really look at the timeline, but it wasn't like I quit the band and the band got famous. That's not how it happened at all. Right. I think there's a misconception that that's the way it happened online, you know, in social media. There's a huge misconception that you left the band and within like six months or so, a deal came on the table or that you left the band and there was a deal waiting at that point. Yeah. Dude, just hearing you say, the parents factor, it gives me a heavy heart because I understand that line of thought. When I went into college, my parents were paying for it and I was messing around in college, you know, just living a college yeah. life, doing this and that. And I decided early on, I got to straighten up because they're the ones that are putting me through college and I owe it to sure. them. I have great respect for my parents and uh, I think that's a noble way to think and you obviously do. Yeah. And it had to have been one of the more tougher decisions you've had to make, especially... It absolutely was, yeah. Yeah, just hearing you say all this stuff, I'm getting sad, you know, because, I mean, you don't want to yeah. leave. Uh, obviously, you had no desire to. No. But life comes into play. Yeah, life does come into play, and you got to consider this, too. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but you can't regret something if you couldn't have known that it would have been different. And what I mean by that is, like, we don't know that if I had stayed in the band given my middle finger to my parents kind of scenario and said, you pay my student loans. We don't know that the band would have gotten successful with me. You know, when I quit the band, it was only two weeks later that Nick quit. And I feel like Nick is the kind of person that was like, he was, he was wanting to move on to something else. I honestly don't know what he was doing at the time. Like Nick and I weren't super close in that regard, but okay. I will say that, you know, I think me quitting kind of gave Nick the push that he needed to quit. And if you look at the timing of that, like Nick quit a couple of weeks after I did, basically. Tyler felt, I, I know this now because we've had the discussions, but at the time, you know, guys don't discuss their feelings. Right. Um, he, he had to have felt, and I know he did, feel like we gave up on him. Right, like a betrayal. Yeah. It, almost like a betrayal, but like essentially like we gave up on him. Like we just... Not that we, he knew that we believed in him, but there's one thing in someone believing in you, like saying they believe in you, and another thing like showing they believe in you by like taking a risk and, and putting it on the line. And, right. and I knew I couldn't put it on the line because it wasn't just mine to put on the line. It was my parents. It was a vehicle. It was, it was a lot. You know, It was yeah. a lot going on. And so um, – and, and at the time, I, I was – I had been dating this girl for a long time and um, and I thought, you know what, I can get serious with that whole thing. We can, this can all settle down and like, is that girl now your wife? 
No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not at all. Um, but I thought, you know, I, I can that go It gives ahead. you great leverage over your wife if it yeah. was. You could be like, I did this for yeah, you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's no way to start a marriage, right? <laughs> I know. Right? Um, but no, I, uh, <laughs> I thought at the time, I thought the, the saving grace in it was, you know what? I can do the responsible thing. I can look back and say I was responsible. I got a full-time job and, you know, got married and settled down. Like, and this be good and this will be fine. And if right. 21 Pilots is going to be successful, they can be successful without me. And, and that was hard. But I knew I would always be like a part of the band. I knew I would help out in any way I can and could and, and did, you know, right. but like I said, you know, Tyler and I had that discussion a few months ago. He's like, dude, it was, he said, I know you know this, but I need to tell you it was, it was at least a year of like hard work of like playing those shows where five people were there in towns we never played in. He said it was at least a year of that before it started to really progress. He said it was hard. It was like Josh and I thought about quitting multiple times in that year. Like it's, it, that wasn't an easy thing. And so it took a while, I think, for Tyler to – he wouldn't say it like this probably, but I think it took him a while to kind of forgive me for that, for for quitting, because it felt like I gave up on him. Right. There was never any – like we didn't have any hatred towards each other. We weren't mad at each other. But I think he felt – he. I think he was let down. Um it's only natural, yeah. you know, to, to assume that. Yeah, and you put up some emotional barriers, I'm sure, when that happens. And so um, our relationship's fine. We're good friends. And I love hearing that, man. I love hearing that you guys are, you know, still good friends. It would be a shame for you to, to what what'd you say? He just texted me, actually. Um, <laughs> like, we're talking about you, man. Yeah. Um, so you guys play the show, or, or did you play the show? I guess we'll get back to, to that. There was the college show, and you didn't want to do it. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it. Um, and so that was, I wouldn't say that was a straw that broke the camel's back, but it was, it was like one of those things where it's like, all right, I want the band to succeed. I definitely don't want to be the thing that, that keeps it from succeeding. Right. And so that's when I said, all right, I think that I have to face the, the music here, <laughs> pun intended, and, and move on. So you're friends with Josh. Yeah. You knew Josh first. Yeah. You guys worked together at Guitar Center. Yes. Did you. Not telling Tyler, like when this was kind of in your brain going around, did you kind of mention to him, because you guys were friends, were you kind of like, listen, I'm in a band. I don't know, to be honest with you, man, if I'm going to be sticking around, you maybe want to listen to this CD, maybe you'd be into it. Like, was that kind of how that went? Different than that, actually. So Tyler and Josh, I'm not sure if I had Josh over to the house at some point. I honestly don't remember. Because like I said, in the moment, you never think, I need to remember this for later. Um, but Josh was coming around and hang, I think I had had Josh over to hang out and I'm the guy that always goes to bed early. They would call me the old man in the house. Um, and so I remember going to bed one night and Josh stayed over and hung out with Tyler. And so that was, I think that was probably how that whole thing started. But Josh was playing music at a church, um, uh, where I play music still and, he was just one of the drummers that played. And so Tyler went to this church one Sunday because Josh was playing there. And I remember Tyler coming home. He's like, dude, you have to go to this church with me. He said, they're playing our, our album. I said, what? So they're playing our album at church on a Sunday morning. He goes, yes. Like before and after the service, they're playing our music. I was like, no way. So Tyler ended up getting involved in that church. Okay. He kind of started playing music there. Josh became kind of a, a regular in our um in our house you know like 
we would come one of the guys that would come over and hang out. So Josh had come to 21 pilot shows. Like he had been at the shows before he was in the band. Like he would, he came to the Newport and the, the basement and stuff. Like he was familiar with the shows and, uh, would hang out with us after and stuff. So when I was, this was another factor in me, in me leaving was, Josh and I had talked a lot about like what he was doing with music. He had played with a band called House of Heroes, um, and he had he kind of I hate to say he'd been burned by them, not really by them, but like their drummer at the time was kind of on and off and not sure if he could do it or not do it. And so Josh had played with them, but then the old drummer had come back, and so he didn't really have the opportunity to play anymore. And so he was on the fence, about ready to move to Nashville to just try to make a push at being a drummer. Um, in the industry, not knowing really how he was going to do that or who he was going to play with or any of that information. He just was thinking, I'm going to move to Nashville. So I knew this, this was part of my factor of like the band needs to be successful. And, um, I told Tyler, I said, Hey, you know, when we said, I, I think I have to quit, I, I told him all the stuff. And I said, I want to help you find the right drummer. And I said, I think it might be Josh Dunn. I said, uh, he's about to move to Nashville, and maybe he's already sold on moving to Nashville, but his family lives in Columbus. Maybe being a part of a band here that's trying to push to be successful would be something enough to keep him here. I said, I honestly don't know. Right. So I took Josh to lunch one day, and we sat in, uh, I call it the date booth, where there's you know, room for two people. Yeah. And uh, we sat there, and I was like, dude, I know you're, thinking about moving to Nashville, but I would love for you to be the drummer of 21 pilots. I'd love for you to, I said, Tyler and I've talked about it. He, you know, you guys obviously get along and, and he said, yeah, um, I want to do that. <laughs> I don't know if he said it right then, but, um, he may have said, let me think about it, whatever. But, um, ultimately that's what led to him being the drummer. So it wasn't really a, Hey, I have this friend. You don't know him. He could play drums. It was, Josh was already kind of in our group of friends and, we were aware of his talent and his abilities. And so it was kind of an obvious choice for us. Right. Um, Did you still stay in the house when stuff was going on without you? Yeah. Yeah. I stayed in the house until I got married. Oh, really? Uh, my wife and I'll be celebrating our third wedding anniversary in September. So that means Congratulations I, I was in the house. Guys. Thanks. I was in the house for five years total. Um, two of that was the first two of that was 21 pilots. Okay. So that makes sense. So yeah. I was in the band for two years and I lived in the house for three years after. Wow. So I was still a part of a lot of conversations and a lot of this is what's going on and fixing gear that broke. And I mean, crap, they used some of my drum gear still like for auxiliary drums for like the, the trees stuff at the end and things for, for a long time. When Vessel came out, did you go around with the band? I heard that you and Nick were working the so merch yeah, Nick does still work for up, up until you know the end of the last tour. I don't know what he's doing now because obviously there's no tour to be a part of. But he right. was still running some of the merch stuff. I'm not sure exactly what he did, but he wasn't just a guy selling merch. He actually was managing how much was at tables and how much was I don't know all that crap. I have no idea. But okay. I was always just to like, hey, I'll help out in any way I can. I'm going to be working full time, but I'm right. at the house. I'm a good home base. If you need me to ship you something or. Whatever. I'm just happy to help because, you know, I believed in the band. I put two years into it because I believed in it, not because I thought it was fun. I actually believed in it. So 
I wanted to support it in any way I could. So I would every now and then go on like a few day run here and there, which is what things were mostly after I left the band, like for the next year or so. There started to be more like full fledged tours that were, you know, a month at a time or something like that. But a lot of times it was like a three or four day run. And so every now and then I would take a few days off work. And I remember one weekend we did Tampa, Florida and Seattle in the same weekend, which I don't know if you can be two places further away from each other in the continental U.S. No, man, that's a that's like a diagonal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was rough. But we, we got on a plane and flew down to Tampa and I just helped out, I think, because they were missing a tech that weekend or something. So I just flew down to be an extra set of hands and help set stuff up and. That's cool, man. Yeah, every now and then I would do stuff like that. And then it just kind of got, you know, it evolved into more and more people who were part of the crew to the point that I didn't even know all the guys that were, you know, part of the crew. Still don't. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's to be expected, you know. I'm sure Fueled by Ramen has their guys or whatever. Well, it's actually different. 21 Pilots is its own functioning business. And I can't tell you a lot of details, not because it's, confidential because i don't really know right but i can say like you know some of the earlier people were people that if you're super into the band and you know a lot of the people that are around them you would know of michael gibson who's a lifelong friend of tyler's that was the tour manager for a long time you'd know of jordan snyder who was one of our roommates for a long time mark eshelman who's real bear media videos he was one of our roommates and i think a crucial part of 21 pilots gaining in popularity like we did and then they did so those guys are obviously still a part of it. Michael is separated from that now and doing his own thing. But yeah, it's just kind of grown and become a bigger business. Oh, yeah. Record labels and record deals are a a hairy animal that I can't get into because I don't understand all of it. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even expect that, man. Yeah. Do you follow what goes on with the band today? I know you were at the Tour de Columbus thing, yeah. but do you follow their website and all that social media stuff? Um. No, not really. I'm always supportive of the band. I always kind of know what's going on just because I remain friends with Tyler and Josh. Josh, I don't see as much because he doesn't he doesn't live in Columbus anymore, but right or not permanently anyway. He still has family here, but I'm a fan of the band, but I'm not like a you know make sure I catch every single post that happens kind of fan. Right. What do you think of the evolution of the band? I mean, once again, I'll make the analogy that it's like looking back at. When you hear the new stuff, it's like looking back at your old high school pictures when you think of the older music and saying, like, why did I ever think that was cool? <laughs> like, what made me think that giant Jinko jeans were, like, what was in? Jinko jeans. I was talking about those the other day at work. Ugh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or what made me think that, like, having blonde highlights. No offense to anyone that has that. I, I'm just saying, no, I had, like. I, I had. I went through that phase, too, man. Yeah, yeah. I remember all that. Now I, now I don't. Now I don't have any. Hair. No, I know. That's, that's karma. <laughs> You still got the beard? Still still full full beard, but... I like the beard, man. I grew a beard in September for the first time in my life, and I've kept it since. So, yeah, it's cool, man. Snazzy, you know? I mean, I've never had a beard with the band. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I kind of relate it to that. Like, the evolution of it is pretty natural, and it's always been like kind of what Tyler was into at the time is what it really affected his songwriting is just kind of what I've seen. Um, he's a fan of the killers more specifically Brandon flowers. Okay. Um, uh, he, he really likes Coldplay. And so when, as you've seen like Coldplay's progression, you know how they kind of got more digital, it seems like, and they were an acoustic feel when they first came out. And I've talked about Coldplay on the podcast, uh, episode three, I had mentioned 
they were like an indie rock band kind of when they yeah, came out. Absolutely. I've been a fan of them since the beginning. I saw them in 2001 on the Parachutes tour. Yeah. Nowadays, I don't even consider them that kind of style. Yeah. I think they're more pop. Yeah. So, and that's, I think that's kind of the progression of 21 Pilots. Not that it's the same as anyone else's, but there was a point in time when Tyler was super into listening to Bob Marley and that affected his music. He really liked that, that kind of three, three quarter time type of feel that a re- like reggae has yeah and just that kind of affected his writing a little bit right i think that was kind of why he picked up bass guitar as well yeah yeah the first time i saw him with that i was i was like oh this dude knows how to play bass now you know did he know how to play that when you were around no no not at all okay that's a relatively new venture for him but there's something to be said about being behind a guitar. I mean, it's a much more classic, like live music. I love it. Type visual. You know, playing guitar and playing out live places myself. I love it. This kind of goes back to the beginning, and I think I know the answer, but it's something I wanted to ask anyway because on his like stuff that he put together, I guess when he was in high school, did you guys ever at any point, even if it was only for a day or two? Did you ever have a guitar player in the band? We never had a guitar player in the band. Okay. We talked about having a guitar player in the band. We almost added a second keyboard player at one point. Okay. Um, but never actually had a guitarist. It was just a bass guitar. Okay. Drums and Because there's some guitar, those like early things that he threw together. Yeah. I assume they were friends of his or something like that. When I was... Yeah, yeah. He had friends that did that. A lot of it was garage band stuff. Yeah. Like... Dude, it's amazing what you can do with technology nowadays. I wish I had it back when I was in college because I went to college from 2001 to 2005. And whenever I would record my own songs because I write my own stuff, I would, just like you were talking about him, I would have that little chat room mic from like AOL chat or Yahoo chat. Yep. That would be what I did my vocals into. Yep. And nowadays, the stuff I have, I'm like, man, if I had the stuff I have now, back then, I would have so many recordings. And just to have for my kids, man, just yeah. to give them to pass down when they have kids, they could be like, this is your granddad and all that. I wish this technology was available then. Right. Okay, so you left the band. You kind of touched on this, and I know people probably have asked, just from talking to you, you seem like you've kind of made peace with it. But it's a natural question. Do you have any regrets? You know, do you ever look back and, you know, I don't know, man, wish it was you or any yeah. of that kind of stuff? It, it seems natural, uh, a natural question for people to ask. And to be honest with you, that's the one that I get the most is, man, I bet you. Well, here, I don't mind it when people say, do you regret quitting the band? What I hate is when people go, dude, you're such an idiot. You quit the band and now they're famous. That I'm like, what the heck did you do? Those are keyboard warriors. You know what I mean, man? Like yeah. I've seen that on YouTube. I had a friend over last night and I was talking about you, know, just the fact we're going to have a discussion. And I showed him some of the YouTube videos and we were looking at the comments, man. And I'm like, these people don't realize that you're a human being. I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. come on. Like, yeah, come on, man. I have feelings too. Yeah, dude. I'm sure, you know, you may see that stuff or they bother you about it. Um, so How would those people like it if I found out details about their personal life and said, hey, I, I bet you regret having that kid before you got married, or I bet you, you know. Right, man. I would never do something like that. To answer your question, no. I, I don't regret anything. And the main reason is because I didn't feel like I had a choice at the time. There was no choice in it, right? Like I told you, I would have had to have told my parents, say, hey, you're responsible for my, my bills now. And my parents have always been so good at helping me out, like, and... They paid my rent for a long time, like 500 bucks a month they paid when I first moved here because I didn't have a job for a while and like things like that. Like my parents have been so super supportive and you know, it was, 
they didn't, and, and no one needs to take this as like my parents forced me to quit the band. That's definitely not what happened. I just knew that it would be super disrespectful right. for me to force them to pay my, my student loan payments and, and maybe and, and, and super irresponsible for me to, for me to make them have to do that and take on that responsibility. I think that's called being a good son, you know? Yeah. I just, I look, whether the band was going to get famous or not, my parents are forever. People will eventually forget who 21 Pilots is. Right. People will say, you know, that was a used to or was banned at one time. You know, people don't care about Bon Jovi anymore. He was huge. People don't, don't care don't about. Don't say that to my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, he's just the first name that popped into my head. That's like <laughs> relatively older. But like, think about it. Like even Coldplay is getting kind of irrelevant, right? Correct. Like. Why did they do a song with Chainsmokers? Sorry, that's off. No, off correct, topic. correct. But seriously, like I, bands get huge. U two, for instance. Don't get me wrong; they're still huge. They're still big, but they're not relevant anymore. Like high schoolers don't give a crap about U two. They're not interested. And so I, I just I say all that to say like, bands as big as they can get and as huge as they can be. That's still that's still temporary. My parents are permanent fixture in my life. Right. And. You know, 21 Pilots is amazing, and I love those guys. I love the music they're doing. I think it matters, and I think it's important. And um, I don't regret it because I'm telling you, man, I am not cut out for life on the road. And I've I've had a special um, – since since we do hang out with Tyler and Jenna a lot, um, I mean, when they're in town, we try to hang out with them. Right. Uh, but – and we would consider them close friends. But – I I get the rare opportunity of seeing how you know we it's hard to go to dinner sometimes at a restaurant or it's hard to like walk down you know a street in like a uh, you know downtown street or something in in a small town and I can only imagine not have people come up and and want to take pictures and you know want to say stuff and whatever it's just that that's difficult I'm not cut out for that I look at my wife and my kid and I think those those two permanent fixtures in my life may not have ever happened had I had I stayed in the band. Totally agree with you, man. I look at my relationship with my parents that is great and awesome, and I took them to their first 21 Pilot show back in February in Dallas, and I look at that situation, and I'm like, man, that's awesome. And none of those things would have been that way if I had stayed in the band. And like I said before, who's to say that the band would have been successful had I stayed in it? So all that to say, like, no, I don't regret it. I, I think that... If you do regret things in your life, you're you're not living your life in in a very happy manner because regret wears at you and it keeps you from moving forward and being the best you that you can be. As dumb as that sounds. No, man, it doesn't sound <laughs> dumb. You know, and anybody listening to this, there's your answer to that question. You know, you don't have to keep hitting Chris up with yeah. with that stuff. When we started talking, I was just going to give you the floor and ask, what do you want to say? Because obviously you get bombarded with probably the same questions over and over again. And it's nice that you have an opportunity to not just have to type it out all the time, but to like, just let people know and to go deeper, man. I mean, especially, you know, you're married and you have a son. Yeah. Just like you said, like that may not have happened. And, you know, as we were talking about like that deeper love that you don't have without a kid, you know, that sure. kid introduces 
this part of your heart that you didn't even realize was there and that you can't live without, even though they weren't there the first 32 years of your life, they're there now. And it's like, wow, how did I ever live without you? The answer to the question is just look at my wife and my kid and my parents. That's your answer right there. You know, they wouldn't be here without that. So, man, that's just totally understandable. After we started talking, I knew how you were going to answer that question, but I wanted it out there for people to hear. Yeah. Let's do your favorite 21 Pilots memory. Some fun stuff. I'll tell you what. Let me think about that. I have to. I have to pause. Okay. And we have to pick up. A, we're gonna have to pick up a second. Uh, second time. You're willing to do a, a second, second one with me? Yeah. All right. Totally fine doing that. We just. I gotta get dinner going and all that. Junk. I totally understand, Chris. And like I said, I'm super appreciative that you're willing to even yeah. talk to me. You didn't have to entertain the idea of doing this at all, and you no, did. So I, I don't mind at all. And like I said, like. It, it's nice to I, I like reliving that stuff. I think it's cool and it's good for me to remember those things and you know it was a cool part of my life and um, I'm glad to be able to share it you know because there are a lot of questions about it now and a lot of now that the band is huge, there's this when people look into it and try to research it they think, man, there was another drummer and a bass player. Like, what the heck? I know. So there's that, a right. lot of questions around it. And, you know, how do you, there's no right way to answer all that stuff. And this is just a really good opportunity to kind of let people know this is how it all happened. Wikipedia only works so well, you know? No, I, I agree. And let me just say, I really appreciate the way you've handled this. You know, like, like you said, I get a lot of crap on social media and it's hard to filter everything. And, because, you know, 21 Pilots isn't my job. Yeah, I <laughs> and so totally understand. It's just like being a normal person that has this kind of ridiculous burden of dealing with social media crap. So I appreciate the way you've handled this. Like a lot of people are hard to deal with and you've been awesome. Thanks, Chris. That means the world to me, man. That really does. And I, we'll end it with that, dude. That's great. Cool. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Have a fantastic weekend. And um, like I said, I'll, I'll, we'll figure out part two. Sounds good, man. There you go. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and as you heard, there is going to be a part two. Chris is going to come back, and we're going to have another discussion covering what he's up to today and other little things such as his favorite moments, his favorite songs to play live, all that kind of stuff, and any other questions that may pop up between then and now. So that is something extra to look forward to. My thoughts on our conversation are I I thought it delivered big time. As you heard, he gets asked the same questions over and over again, and he was looking forward to actually speaking and having people hear his reasons why he left and if he had regrets and just getting it all out there so the fan base would know what his thoughts were. Because as he put it, you know, somebody who's researching the band all of a sudden says, hey, I thought it was just two guys or actually two other members. What's their story? And you look on Wikipedia and there's not a lot of info there. So it allowed him to actually go into deeper detail about what was going on at the time. And I think he found it to be a cathartic experience. At least I hope he did. 
and I thought it was a very enjoyable experience to get to hear the beginnings of the band from uh, a founding member. It was really cool, and I felt honored that he used my platform as the way to communicate to the fan base. It was the highlight so far of doing this podcast, without a doubt. Time for the special announcement. Even though that was kind of a special announcement itself, the fact that Chris was going to come back and do a second episode, that's awesome. But I said there would be a special announcement, and here it is. One of my future guests is going to be Nick Thomas, the original bass player of the band. I look forward to talking to Nick and getting his perspective of the beginning of the band, seeing what he's up to today. And I think that's going to be another fun conversation where we learn some neat stuff about the band that maybe we didn't know before. I mean, hey, how about those other ideas they had for the band name? Bicycle Thief, Chill Coat. That was some interesting stuff to find out through my conversation with Chris. I also thought it was interesting the story of the piano shell that they use for Tyler's keyboard. Obviously, in addition to hearing uh, Chris's story about why he left the band and whether or not he had regrets. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I hope you look forward to future episodes. I will check in on social media to see what everybody thought, and I hope you keep the comments coming. Till next time.